Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of the Healing After Birth podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Sommerfeld. In today's podcast, I get to interview a mother who reached out to me to speak authentically and vulnerably about her two and a half years of healing since the birth of her child, Arlie. Danielle Newman is a 32-year-old mother who lives in Edmonton with her husband, Tim. They met playing dodgeball six years ago, and she is a lover of all combos of bread and cheese, and her vacations are always planned around live sporting events. Since the birth of her son in 2016, Danielle has found herself on a mental health healing journey and is always looking for opportunities to share her story with other women. As you will hear in this episode, Danielle shares from vulnerability and from the heart about some of the challenges that she's faced and how she's taken her story and is using it as a platform to advocate for other mothers. I'm sure that you will find this episode as heartwarming and raw and real as I did. Now let's begin. So, um, welcome. Welcome, Danielle. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited to be here. That's wonderful. Danielle and I actually had a conversation this past week, and um, we just kind of dove into um, both her story and my experience as a um, maternal health therapist and specializing in trauma recovery. And we had just really similar um, passions and purposes. And that's why I reached out to Danielle and said, hey, can I interview you on this podcast? So here we are. And I thought, Danielle, we could start with um, just introducing yourself um, as a mother with a mission, because I think yeah. that's what you have. So so please go ahead and let her tell our listeners a little bit about you and why you're here. Yeah. So I had um, a pretty regular pregnancy, a pretty regular birth. Um, <clears throat> I, I did have forceps, but, you know, all of those good things. Um since then, my, my journey has been less than ideal, and I know we'll get into uh, maybe some of the specifics, but I just have felt that this has changed me more than anything I have ever, iman- uh, sorry, ever imagined. Um, <clears throat> I always thought that birth would be scary, um, and then when I finished birth, I'm like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad, but everything after that has been just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm a doer. I'm, I'm someone who needs to take action. Mm. I can't just sit at home and stew. And mm. um, the thought of telling my story to other people um, and, and being an active part of my own healing was, was really appealing to me. Um, mm. I hadn't actually done too much uh, externally until I saw something on BuzzFeed about women going to their doctors and not being listened to. And it, it really triggered me to be like enraged. And I, and I made a post on Facebook and it took me about three days to get through all of the personal messages, uh, like the, the private messages and the public messages of other women and other moms who, who felt the same or who experienced the same thing. And I just felt like, okay, if I have to be the voice and I have to tell my story, um, and I'm not an expert, but I just really Mm -hmm. feel like talking about it and, and saying like, this is what happened to me. And, um, if I can even help one other mama, um, mm. I would be so happy. Mm. And when you imagine helping even one other mama, what, what would that look like for you? For me, that is, um, I really feel like coming down this path, it, I've learned a lot about advocacy for myself mm. and I am someone who has all the faith in the world, in the medical community. I, I'm not someone who questions what I'm told by doctors and I don't ever want to say that I, you know, have anything less than hundred percent respect for them. They have such tough jobs, but I've learned to just keep asking questions until I understand. Um, mm. So I will sit in the room. Um, I've asked pretty much for the last year, anything that I have to do medical wise, I ask for a printout um, just so that I, I can read it and actually ask questions Hmm. Um, instead of just assuming that I understand what they're saying, you know, I, I don't want to inconvenience them. So I say, okay, thank you. And leave the room and then go home and Google. And I realize I have no idea, um, hmm. what's happening. So that's, 
that would be the biggest takeaway I hope people get is that just keep asking questions because you deserve to understand what whatever medical um term is <laughs> mm, so yeah. real informed consent right yeah yeah wonderful so I know that you said that your birth experience wasn't um the best experience mm-hmm. um but that you were mentioning the the challenges were really highlighted in your postpartum and onwards right. and so I think that it's important, you know, although we really want to share our birth stories and there's a lot that can happen in just sharing our birth stories, there's a lot of healing that can happen. Um, But oftentimes it's not the story specific. It's not necessarily I need to tell you everything that happened to me. It's I need to talk to you about how hard it's been to heal. Right. And so I'm wondering what your healing journey has consisted of. And maybe if you can just unpack that for our listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of um ups and downs, a lot of a lot of twists and turns in my story, I feel like and and as I mentioned to you, as much as I feel like it is very unique, I know it is not um mm-hmm. in the in the wide sense of of what women go through. So, I would say my healing journey was pretty much immediately after I had my son. Um I was in the hospital and I had given birth to my son and and everything was great and then immediately I I was sick. I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't move my bed, um, or move in my bed. I would, I would be getting physically sick. I -hmm. remember when my family and my husband's family came to see the baby, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I just laid in bed. I, um, Mm -hmm. so the, the, I now have a lot of stories of people who I felt, um, missed something. And that is what, um, has something that I've had to heal through. So mm-hmm. I had a, you know, a wonderful nurse, but she was trying to get me to walk and I just kept um, throwing up every time mm-hmm. I stand up. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm like, maybe something should have been caught there. I um, was let out of the hospital three days later and nobody checked my blood levels on the way out. And I was like barely walking. I could barely move my body, you know, but on the way in, they had to make sure that I took a, um, wheelchair upstairs but on the way out it was like well good luck with this baby I hope I hope everything's okay Uh, Mm. but I could barely walk and I I feel like if they would have checked my blood it would have been okay there I saw my doctor two days after I got home Um, and again if she would have checked my blood I maybe something would have been different Um, instead she gave me some Percocet and two days later when that wasn't working on the pain I went to the hospital um, and it turned out that I had, I still have to send in me and I had a, a hemoglobin level of 57. Um, so I was, I really was not doing well. I could barely hold myself up. Then mm. I have, I have the people that really stand out as people who took care of me in these tough times. I had a, the ER doctor was just right away on it. He, um, he made sure I got the care that I needed. And I had a nurse, I had, there was a, there was a second doctor that wanted to do um, just like almost a pap test on me five days postpartum. Um, and after I had, you know, tears and tears. And when she left the room, a nurse came up to me and said, you don't have to consent to anything mm. you don't want to. And I, mm. you know, like, it makes me emotional to think about, cause I'm like, that girl changed my life. Like, mm. I, I can't even imagine um, the pain if they would have, if they would have put the speculum in mm-hmm. me at that point. Mm-hmm. So, so that got me to the DNC and, um, you know, so that's part of the healing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The physical. So you're speaking the to the, just your yeah. body recovering from yeah. birth. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's about a seven week journey in between that is, is probably my hardest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what I work on in therapy of, of just that trauma of, I kept going to my OB saying, I think something's wrong. I think something wrong, something is wrong. And I just kept being told nothing, nothing's wrong, mm-hmm. nothing's wrong. And in the end I had to go. And so this is the advocacy piece. I just went to a walk-in doctor and I said, I am in pain. I had a baby six weeks ago. I can't function. Um, and mm-hmm. they gave me a um, requisition for mm-hmm. an ultrasound. And that's what showed that I still had placenta in me seven weeks later and I had my last DNC when my son was eight weeks old. Mm-hmm. Um, and since mm-hmm. then, there's the mistrust. Um, my, mm-hmm. my, I've had to do some CBT therapy because of the trauma. I couldn't go to movie theaters. I couldn't go to gas stations. Like I, I am a tight spiral um, mm-hmm. is how I hold myself like mentally and physically. 
but from this advocacy stuff, I've, I've really felt like I've learned how to, um, as I was saying before, ask the questions, mm-hmm. make sure I understand, um, keep pushing until I find the right services for me. So I have an incredible therapist, um, mm-hmm. who's done some EMDR with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mixed with the CBT skills has been really helpful. I mm-hmm. attend, um, the, uh, pelvic floor physio, mm-hmm. um, that has been wonderful. And recently I went and tried out the park integrative health in Sherwood park and, um, they're a wraparound type, um, care team. And, and they also listen to my story and, and really talk to me. So those mm. have been the big pieces of healing, as well as this reaching out, asking, what can I do? How can I mm. share my story? That's mm. the, that's the long, the long and the short of it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds like you had mentioned that you're driven and in, you know, because of that, you really um, took charge of your healing and you um, somehow knew how to advocate for yourself. Yeah. And it's exhausting. Like I've had many times I've gone to my mom and cried or the doctor and Mm -hmm. cried and and just Mm -hmm. said like, I am tired. Mm -hmm. I am on, you know, six different medications, Mm -hmm. which is, is tiring. My body is not myself or Mm -hmm. like my body is not mine. I don't recognize um, who I am anymore. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, so there's a lot of those Mm -hmm. pieces where it's still like, I'm lucky that I still have those flashes of, of um, strong me to say like, no, I know who I am. I can do this. And and then there's tough times. I've had to lean on a lot of people. It's a strain um, mm-hmm. it's a strain to a lot of relationships. My poor husband has, has, mm. um, been through the ringer in his own way. So, so, um, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm able to come out on this other side and still have that strength, but there's, there's mm-hmm. still, um, a journey mm-hmm. ahead of me. Mm. I have like three questions brewing. Yes. <laughs> um, and there's so much, so much rich, rich storytelling in this and, you know, so one question I have is in regards to advocating and advocating for yourself in a medical system. And, you know, to those who don't know how to do that, to those who don't have the um, internal agency to do that, you know, what would you say to them that could help them find their voice or get the supports that they need to be able to advocate for themselves? That's question one. And I have two other questions. <laughs> do you want me to answer it first? I... I'm, I'm wondering if I should say all three of them. <laughs> so... Well, the first, one, the first one might be quick because okay. um, I think I'm still learning how to do that too. It's all well and good for me to sit here and say like, I'm going to always advocate hundred percent. And then I walk in and my, mm. if the doctor's a little bit um, dismissive, sometimes it's hard to keep, keep going. Yeah. Um, and, and as I mentioned before, the um, respect I have for the medical community, I have family in the medical community and I would never want to assume that I know um, more. It's just, I know different. I know um, mm. my experience. Mm. And so it's just about, um, bringing, bringing you to the table, right? It's not, okay, I found this thing on Google and I want to talk about it. It's here's what I am experiencing and getting the support for you, um, Mm. not whatever the medical term is. So, oh, well you have shingles and Mm -hmm. well, what does that mean for me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I really appreciate the balanced approach that you're sharing with our listeners. Um, bringing you to the table. And what I'm hearing is having transparent conversations and um, taking the time to engage in those conversations. So I don't understand is probably a really powerful statement that moms could say. So my my second question is, I was recently um, interviewed actually on a dad's podcast, Warrior Dads, and I've had a few conversations about the impact that witnessing um, witnessing traumatic births or challenging births or difficult births, even in the postpartum, right? Like that whole mm-hmm. period um, and the impact that that can have on the, on the dad or on the partner and that we don't highlight that very often. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to say about what you've experienced and witnessed within your family? Um, I am very lucky. I have a wonderful partner who, 
um, supported me when I decided that I just couldn't stay home. Uh, one of the pieces was at two months postpartum. So pretty much just after I had my second DNC, I said, I can't do this. I can't stay at home. I'm not successful here. Um, that isn't an uncommon feeling for new moms, mm-hmm. but um, I missed work. I missed um, having that thing that I was good at and praised for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we made the decision that I would go back to work uh, when my son was five months old. And um, my husband took the last seven months of the parental leave. So it's incredible. Um, it's incredible the relationship that he's built with our son. Um, but, but the struggle, I would say the bigger struggle is watching me have, have a, a tough time. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of changes in our relationship. Um, there's a lot of um, support that is needed and sometimes space that is needed and, because I'm still working that out, it's it's hard for me to expect that he would understand um, or be able to be like intuitive about it. Like, oh, she's probably feeling this way today, so I'll help her out over here. Like, it it could change day to day, and um, mm-hmm. so I think that's a big struggle. And and honestly, the the piece about our relationship, our physical relationship, our emotional relationship. Um, you know, we I have no shame saying we did some counseling after I think my son was probably about six months old um, because just again there's it does not ever hurt to keep talking keep working on things um, learning to understand where each other is at um, yeah that mm-hmm. that's what I would say is that it's just as important for them to hear that like get their needs heard mm-hmm. um, during this time mm-hmm. and and your husband's name is Tim Tim Tim. And did Tim have anything or any comments in regards to what it was like for him to witness what was happening for you in the postpartum? He had a really hard time. He was very lucky to have um, three weeks off. So he had the first three weeks of our son's life off, Mm -hmm. um, which was good because I spent pretty much the first week in the hospital in and out of the hospital. Mm. Um, He had a really tough time when he did go back to work with Um, the amount of times I called or texted him crying, upset, hurt, like it was a lot of pain. Um, you know, like I'm in pain. I can't do this. I can't do this. And, and I think that that takes a toll. And Mm. even though sometimes those messages are just me getting out, you know, frustrations, it, it took a toll because he felt like, well, do I need to be at home Mm. or can I get back to my regular, um, not regular because once you have a kid, nothing's regular, but mm-hmm. get back to some normalcy of him having his life um, at work or, you know, getting to play sports or whatever it is. So that would be, that would be, I think the biggest, the biggest thing. And, and, and it's ongoing. It's, it's still um, learning the new, mm-hmm. as I'm learning who the new me is, he mm-hmm. has to learn who the new me is. And then we have to make sure that, you know, we're growing together and that, um, he's getting his needs met as well, um, because he's growing too. So, Mm, yeah, well said. I mean, you touched on a topic that um, many, many moms are challenged with in, in the postpartum and beyond. And that's this idea of, uh, identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And for those of us who've experienced a challenging birth experience, that can be even, um, more at the forefront this this sense of loss of self disconnect from self um, confusion about who this new self is where do I fit into all of this what does it mean to be a mother I'm just curious what your experience of that was um, I think that I'm right in the thick of that right now um, okay. if my husband was with me right now he would say um, I'm I'm constantly pushing for independence Mm-hmm. Um, I love my son with all of my heart, but I sometimes feel like by being 30, when I had my son, um, it's like, I knew what independence felt like. And so mm-hmm. I often tell new or my friends who are pregnant that are in their thirties, I, I often say it, it wasn't sleep. It was that suddenly a little tiny being needed me mm-hmm. and I needed me. Um, and, and that is a hard, um, a hard piece to to figure out in my identity like that, I think Mm -hmm. is what I still struggle with. Um, I, I cling on to things that would be in quotes, like pre baby me. So I really want to have time with my friends and I really want to, um, still be able to do some of those 
like I'm going to pick up and go to this workout class. But as a mom and as a, as a parent, there's these pieces of, I'm always having to think about somebody else, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, that is a little bit of my struggle, but as my son gets older and the more that I can do with him, like he can come, a friend of mine is running like a family yoga, like that's great. Him and I could go to the yoga together and I could be getting some of those endorphins of, of doing something. And he loves being active. Um, and we can do those things together so that I don't then have the, you know, unfortunately the mom guilt when I do then go out and do Mm -hmm. something on my own, Mm -hmm. um, because I've been able to fill the family mom bucket. Um, and then I can fill my own bucket. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's an ongoing, um, Mm -hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're alone in that. No, no. Um, and, and the constantly thinking about the children, it never goes away. Yeah. You know, mine are 18, 17 and 13 and yeah, it's still there constantly. Right. <laughs> so right. you're, you're plugged in, yeah. you know, a fun fact. And I, and I believe I read this in, um, Christina Northrump's, um, women's bodies, women's wisdom. And, uh, uh According, according to some research that she had conducted or, or spoke about, we actually hold our offspring's um, cells in like DNA in our yeah. cells for 27 years. Oh, wow. Or, or uh, I could be quoting this wrong because I read it a long time ago, but I think it was actually that we still had some of their blood cells in our system for 27 years. That's amazing. <laughs> That's, and yeah, so, so I'll just like leave that there. What to me that that meant so much in terms of how connected we are and why we're so plugged in. Oh yeah, you know, it got we, me in the heart. Like, yeah, kind of like oh, it's so true. I yeah, it in my heart. <laughs> yeah. So those of you who are like needing the facts, go ahead and and research that through Christina Northrum, <laughs> and um, in, and I actually just saw her book at a secondhand store, so you can always look there too for copies of good books. Okay, so. So, um, Danielle, Danielle, where are you right now in regards to your healing journey? It's what been two and a half years. Yeah. So okay. my son is, is two and a half years old. Um, where am I? I would say I'm, I'm a mix. So I would, I put on that, um, advocacy hat when I need to put on the advocacy hat and, and talking to other moms, I can go into how can I help you mode? Um, but, but I, I'm not, um, I'm not anywhere near the end of my journey. Um, like I said, my, my therapist has been fabulous and we've recently been working on a lot of the, the self pieces. I, 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 that is my biggest struggle right now is, is making sure that I'm still, um, happy with myself, um, because I can make really confident choices and then I can really question myself. Mm -hmm. And so that is where I'm at on a personal level. Um, but externally, I think that's where I get a lot of my like love and, um, just positive feedback is when I help others. And so Mm -hmm. it's, I don't know if we call it filling buckets or if we call it like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like it is what it is. I I know that Mm -hmm. I get a lot from being active. My, my dad would call it burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I, I crave that in order to maintain, um, maintain the happiness in myself, uh, which is what I'm working on with the therapist, which is I need to be able to build that in myself and not just look for Mm -hmm. others to to help me fill that bucket. Mm -hmm. And and so what I'm hearing you say is that it's an ongoing journey. Absolutely. Um, I have no fear to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, so like yourself, and I was telling you, I wrote to the perinatal um, whatever conference in Washington and basically did the same thing that I did with you, which was just like, I don't know what I can provide, but whatever I can provide, please let me know. Like, what mm-hmm. can I do um, to, to share my story, to support other women? Um, but I don't even know what that looks like yet. And so it was so nice talking to you the other day and, and hearing your story and hearing how there's some similarities, um, because I'm like, you're doing what one day I hoped that I could maybe do. I mean, not on a professional level like you, but just that passion of, of Mm. we are kind of this, this tribe of women and we need to support each other because they're just, 
um, it makes mm. a big difference once you have those people in your life that you can say, this really sucked. Mm. Um, yeah, totally. And I mean, I'm really hearing how you're using your wounded story. <laughs> really, right? We, yeah. we, we use our wound um, and we turn it into wisdom. And yeah. then we use that as a gift. And that's why I really wanted to interview you because I got that sense that that's exactly what you were doing. And so, you know, here you are two and a half years into that experience and you're very vulnerably saying, hey, I'm still on my healing journey. I'm still seeing my therapist. I'm still advocating. I, you know, I still have hard days. I'm still trying to figure out myself as a mother and I'm not stopping. Mm -hmm. I'm not letting this stop me. I need to contribute somehow. And I think that that is so valuable. And the piece that I'm really hearing that you um, are quite passionate about is helping people find their voice. Right. You have an exceptional capacity to articulate what's, what's happening for you and what you experience and what you witness. And I see how just, just doing that is teaching others how to do it and giving them permission, which is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, so nice. you're yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, which kind of leads me to my next question, which yeah. is, uh, what do you believe needs to change in response to your experience? So, um, yeah, I'll leave yeah, it at that. You know, <laughs> it's, that's a tough one because um, I'll go back to the piece of I never, I never want it to come off like I know more. Mm-hmm. But what I would love to see, I would love for more, for more medical professionals to attend the conferences like you um, mm. are putting on um, mm. so that there is an understanding that it doesn't just end at, um, you know, I walk out of the hospital with a baby and I'm fine. Um, or when I say, um, I come in and I say, I really think this is happening, mm. um, that I'm not being met with, like, you know, rolling your eyes or telling me that I'm wrong. Um, you know, I have, I have a few specific stories of one being the ultrasound that was needed. But even when I asked the correct questions about my first DNC, well, did it get everything? Yeah, absolutely. They wouldn't have missed anything. Mm -hmm. And after my second DNC, well, why did they miss it? Oh, well, you know, sometimes the uterus is like a balloon and it's like, well, then why wasn't that brought up Mm -hmm. um, before? But I didn't at eight weeks postpartum, I didn't have, um, the internal drive to, to ask that question. Um, and of course so, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, um, that's what, what I want other people to feel like it's okay to ask those questions. If your doctor isn't going to, or your OB, um, isn't going to give you those answers, then maybe it's not the right doctor or OB for you. I mean, it's almost like you need, you know how there's different learning styles. Mm -hmm. There almost needs to be like a, like a matchmaking, like what way does this doctor deliver information and will Mm. they take, you know, um, some people want it, just hear the facts and that's it. Great. I'm done out of here. Um, and some people need a little bit more conversation. Now that being said, I'll go back to, I know they don't have a ton of time. Um, but to be dismissed over and over and over and over, um, doesn't, doesn't help. Um, it's not, it's not helping. <laughs> and so if we were to wave a magic wand, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love the magic wand question. Um, <laughs> and somehow you could offer something that could be implemented into that system. How do you imagine that information being disseminated? You know, it almost would be nice to have like a list of questions that you can ask if you experience X, Mm. if you experience Y, if you experience that, like these are the things that um, could happen and here's where you could push because so I'll give the example of when, and and maybe this is getting TMI, but that's fine. Um, When (laughs) I, when I thought that there was still something going on, my OB finally reluctantly gave me some pills to induce contractions Mm -hmm. and they were awful. It was Mm -hmm. really awful. But one of the things that they said was, Oh, well, um, watch out for, um, diarrhea. You might get C diff. It might show that you have C diff. So I do exactly what they tell me. I watch, I watch for that. Um, and I call as soon as I'm getting these symptoms and they go, Oh no, I don't, I don't think that's C diff. Well, you know, of course, because why not? A week later, I end up in the hospital with C. diff. Um, and so, like, now I'm on pills 
that are like trying to kill my in like my stomach mm-hmm. lining, which is mm-hmm. already a mess. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't know what C. diff is. Mm-hmm. You told me the one thing I should look for. I looked for it. I told you <laughs> that mm-hmm. I had it. And I was told no. And then I had to do another thing where I had to spend whatever amount of time in the hospital saying like, hey, I think this is what it is. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. Um, And so just Hmm. I wish I could I wish I could give people the the knowledge of like hindsight, right? Like Mm -hmm. looking back and being like, if I knew this before, I would have have done this differently. Um, And so um, some sort of, some sort of like place that's not Google, that's not, hmm. um, whatever, where it's just like, if you experience this, you need to do A, B, C, D, and you do not stop hmm. until somebody gives you your answer. Are you going to create that list? <laughs> I will try. <laughs> okay. I, I cause, cause when you do, you're yeah. going to contact me and we're going to yeah. share it. Yes. Yeah. Well, my, I think mine will be like, mine will be pretty funny. Like just keep asking for that ultrasound, but hey, hey, that's okay. <laughs> the medical system will be like, no, don't just keep asking for ultrasounds. But, but well, some, some, yeah. Yeah. You know, when I'm listening to you speak about your experience, I can't help but be reminded about um, our own intuitive knowing and that we know our bodies best. Mm-hmm because we, we live with it. <laughs> yep. And just like we knew our bodies best when we were growing a baby. Yep. And we're, we're um, programmed in our culture to doubt it. We're programmed to doubt that knowing and to hand it over to other people in positions of power because they must know it better than me. Right. And, and so I can't help but hear that in your story that y- you kept coming up against... I know, and then I share, and then that's disregarded. Uh And this is such a common story. I mean, I have been speaking with moms for almost 20 years now. And, you know, the biggest message that I've always said over the years is that you really are self-directed. You know more than anybody else can ever know. Because you're the one who's living with a, a growing being inside of you. And you've lived with yourself for this long. And so when you have that knowing, don't ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. And so you didn't ignore it because you kept pushing, <laughs> which is part of your personality, like you were saying, which is you know, fantastic <laughs> because it served you. But I also recognize that that is not accessible to everybody, right? Not every woman has that kind of agency. And so she will ignore it. And then she'll think, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. And then she'll internalize it, right? And and then hand that power over to the people in positions of power to know better. And that I was just going to, I was going to say when I, when Mm -hmm. I posted that on, on Facebook about my, a little bit about my story, just a snippet that Mm. was, that was echoed by a lot of people. That is Mm. exactly what happened to me. I, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I wanted this and this happened. I Mm -hmm. asked for this and this other thing happened. I, you know, I often say that my birth story is pretty standard Mm -hmm. um, because I have heard stories Mm -hmm. that I just I also couldn't imagine having to face. And so you're right. There's a lot of people who I think have been um, hurt by the, it's like a letdown. Like I know that this person is going to do the best thing for me because I have faith in this. (laughs) And then when it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen, that is a big shock. Uh, Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm still going through it. My physical issues Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. gone from, you know, it, it is, it's, a never ending journey. I'm now on whatever many prescription pills, which, which Hmm. then means anytime something happens, I don't know which thing that is a, you know, symptom of or um, result of. Um, So, you know, Hmm. I'm going to my doctor saying, Hey, I think, you know, this is going, go like happening. And it's like, Oh, well, that could just be this. And okay, well, I guess we'll get you a blood test. And oh, okay, well, now you have hypothyroid. So why don't you just take this pill now? And it's like, okay, so is my um, insomnia from this pill or this pill or this pill? Mm -hmm. And now, 
do I need to take another pill to get rid of insomnia? Like I, when I say that I don't um, know who I am anymore, there's also that piece of the physical Mm. stuff where Mm. it's like, I wasn't on any pills before my son was born. And now Mm. I take, I think five in the morning. And that is, um, if that is what I need for the rest of my life, I will do it. Um, Mm. but as a, somebody who wants to be an active part, I'm like, I feel like I'm just more and more just getting a pill to cover up another pill, um, a side effect of another pill. And I, Mm. and I don't want that. And so, um, that's why I'm going to these other trying to, I try to acupuncture Mm. for the first time. Um, Mm. I try, I tried cupping, I tried Reiki. Like, I'm like, I'm going to just keep trying Mm -hmm. to find other things because like I said, again, I'll say if there's, if I need to take pills for the rest of my life, that is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I would love to have it intermixed with other things that help me. Mm-hmm. Well, and highlight, like, thank you for just, again, being so honest about all of that. <laughs> and like, really, and highlighting that this is an enormous amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've had to invest time in just seeing the doctor, seeing the therapist, seeing the acupuncturist, which... Yeah is time being taken away from other my things. Family. My family. Exactly. That's I've, right. I've been to my doctor um, over 40 times, just right. my family doctor over 40 times since my son was born, right. which makes me, right. and then you doubt yourself. You're like, am right. I just a hypochondriac? <laughs> but no, it's not because I have to go. I do follow-ups. Then they give me a new pill. I have to go back after, you know, a month, three months, see how mm-hmm. things are going. I probably have done five blood tests. I've been to the OB a couple of times. I've been to physio, um, mm-hmm. you know, like just countless on and on and on and on um, to the point that, yeah, I've even gone down to point nine at work. Um, so I have a half day Friday because it's just, I was missing too much work um, to attend these appointments. Mm-hmm. Therapy. I didn't even mention therapy, right. you know? Yeah. So, so it's, it isn't, it's never ending. And, and so as much as asking, um, and constantly asking is beneficial. There are pieces that um, are tough because it's mm-hmm. like you're I'm I'm in the muck right now. Like I'm in the mud um, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like I'm pushing through. But mm-hmm. I have said many times if I was a single mom, if my job mm-hmm. wasn't flexible, um, mm-hmm. if I didn't have a supportive family that could watch my son, uh, like I don't know how women would do this mm-hmm. um, without those things. And so I know that my story is is you know important but it's also a very lucky one Mm -hmm. um, that I can keep going and so I wish there was more that I could suggest for those women but maybe it's finding the mom's group where somebody will watch you know like take the kid Mm -hmm. um, the child for however amount of time so that the mom can go to those appointments and and I, I don't know. I, I wish I had, I wish I had that magic wand that you were talking about. <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. I mean, cause, cause that was just time. And then there's the money mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know, we live in Canada and Canada has um, uh, our medical care that we have that's covered. And so imagine living in, you know, the United States where they may not have that much coverage yeah. And need alone, you know, a lot of people don't get coverage for example, my therapy, which as a certified Canadian counselor, you know, most people only can get coverage for um, psychologists, registered psychologists. So there's like a lot of money is a huge barrier for so many people in their healing journey. So you're already um, in a vulnerable position financially when you have a child. Yep. Because one of you is staying at home for a while, you know, and that usually is dependent on how much one can afford to stay home. Right. And then, and so um, add on top of that medical expenses, therapeutic expenses, um, alternative um, therapy expenses. Now we're looking at only those who are privileged enough can actually access these services. And that's, that's a terrifying reality that we live in. I think my benefits were up in March because my, you know, therapy is $200 a session and it's like, but what's the trade-off? Like mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have to go to therapy in order mm-hmm. to, um, keep, keep moving. And, and, um, and so, yeah, for everything after March has been out of my own pocket. And that mm-hmm. is it. I mean, going back to things that my husband has to deal with too, like these are the sacrifices we need to make to make sure that I'm healthy. And, Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, a lot of, a lot of our income goes towards these things to help me improve. Yeah. And so, you know, I know we can't really get into a big political debate right now because we are running out of time. But I, I think the thing that I find myself frustrated with is recognizing that there is no accountability for the medical professionals who have just kind of left you to have to heal. Yeah. And, and left you meaning all the moms out there who have yeah. had challenging experiences and now they're left with thousands of dollars in therapy, thousands of dollars in physiotherapy for pelvic health. Thank mm -hmm. you know, God, we have that now because that <laughs> wasn't around when I was having my kids. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, and then on top of that, any other medical expenditures plus um, pharmaceuticals, you know, if you're taking five pharmaceuticals that not everybody has coverage for that, right. you yep. know, so I do, I think if I could wave a magic wand on my own mission, <laughs> you yep. know, I definitely feel like um, there needs to be some shared accountability here and some recognition that some of these procedures and we can say sometimes a neglect of care, um, you know, granted, I write about this in my book, you know, they're motivated from this place of protocol to ensure safety at all costs. And what we mean by safety is to make sure mom and baby don't die. Right. So if mom and baby don't die, and I'm sorry to be blunt about that, but it's true, then they've done their job. And, and it doesn't matter what medical professional I'm talking about. I'm including midwives in that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, here you are, you're alive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you weren't sure if you, if you were okay, because you were really, really, really sick. So as soon as it was like, yeah, you're fine. You know, there's no, there's no accountability to follow up with. What do we need to do to support you now mm -hmm. so you can thrive and heal? Yeah. Accordingly. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've tried, I did try to go down the, you know, they have the advocacy stuff. They have the, uh, you know, I called the hospital about some of the stuff, but there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's nothing really that, you know, after the fact. And I was saying to this to you um, before we got on the call that I, I struggle with um, balancing this feeling of I should go to my OB and tell her everything that has happened mm. and, you know, kind of try to hold her feet to the fire mm -hmm. um, a little bit and say, this is, this has really messed me up. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, and it's like, it's funny because I can do all this talking and now I feel my voice wavering a little bit. My, mm. you know, my heart gets, this mm. is what I talk about in therapy all the time. What if I go to her and she doesn't care? Yeah. You know, what if she doesn't validate any, any of these feelings? Um, what if she says you're alive, your baby is healthy. Mm -hmm. What else do you want? Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm like, I can't, um, I can't get, put myself in that place yet. Maybe, maybe I'll send her this podcast and just, be like, just listen. But, yeah. but I'm like, no, I can't give her, mm. I can't give her that um, power over me yet. Mm. And, and I work on that in therapy a lot. I need to be prepared for her yeah. to not, um, to not take any accountability before That's I go right. and have that conversation or else I'll be even in a worse place. Absolutely. I mean, you, that is the most vulnerable thing that you could be doing. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's no different than um, saying to uh, a person who's been violated in any way, right, to yeah. go to their, the person who violated them, and say, I need you to own the fact that I was just violated. Well, all the defenses are going to go up, right. And especially if they have a large system in place that's geared towards protecting them. Admitting to that would potentially cause a huge legal battle. Right. Right. So there it's, it's like a catch 22. Right. And so by no means, you know, me saying, I, I hope there's more accountability. I don't think that it means that as an individual person, we go to the person that kind of represents the perpetrator. And I'm not, I am not pinpointing your OB as that, yeah. you know, no, just know gen she's, she's generally, <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, <laughs> And um, highlighting that this is a very common experience that you're talking about. Um, it would be, it would be um, in my opinion, inhumane 
and unsupportive to say, yeah, you need to take this on by yourself and you need to go there and have the courage to voice the impact that this has had for you. I don't think that that's a a fair request. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what we need is more of us coming together in, in solidarity, really, right. Coming together and saying, I hear you. And we're going to stand in this together and find a way to make sure that these stories are heard and that there is some way for um, accountability to be taken. Yeah, I, I, I wish there was more um, opportunities for that mm-hmm. because it does feel very singular. Um, I, I, I'll say to my, you know, I, I'm not trying to get my OB in trouble. Multiple people that I know have been to the same OB and, and loved her. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had a different experience. And so it is, it is tough because you go down that singular path of, well, Mm -hmm. this was my experience. Um, and so what I've learned from sharing my story is that a lot of people hold it internally and maybe say, yeah, it was, it was a tough birth or yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. being a new mom is Mm -hmm. tough. I don't get sleep, but -hmm. then they're dealing with those other small things. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, just keep reaching out to your mom friends mm, and just mm-hmm. what like the the best the best people that came over when when my son was first born were the ones that let me go have a nap that let me mm. um take a shower <laughs> that let me just cry <laughs> whatever mm. it was i needed and not have to talk um mm. not have to entertain um and that goes for ongoing right mm-hmm. when when i ask somebody to come over to watch my son or, you know, I don't want to also be entertaining um, if they're going to watch my son or whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. So there, there's lots of work to do to figure out how we come together more. Um, yeah. And maybe moms come to the um, conference that you are running. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great plug. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll definitely um, wrap up on, on that note. And, you know, I, I just kind of want to say one last thing, um, just about the vulnerability of this last piece that we're talking about. And, you know, from a restorative justice model, um, it's not about blame. And it's never about blame. But there's a difference between blaming and projecting our anger onto someone or something, and ask, asking that accountability be taken. And so I'm just going to let, you know, I'm just sharing that with you, but also to the listeners. And, and again, I do speak about that um, in the Healing After Birth, um, both guidebook and program, um, because we go through these different layered experiences and, and your story of like, but you know, I don't want it to come across as if I'm saying um, my caregivers were bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. None of, none of us want to do that. And, you know, I mean, okay, maybe like a very, very small percentage do, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but really we, 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 we don't. And that's part of the, you know, I need to be nice as a woman kind of thing. And that's a whole other podcast. But, (laughs) um, but, you know, I, I really, really appreciate the vulnerability of your share and even just highlighting, hey, my heart rate's going up right now. My voice is trembling because we need to we need to be able to speak honestly about exactly that. Here's what's happening for me right now. And I'm going to say it anyways, and I'm scared. And that's what empowers other moms and other people to be able to do the same. They're like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. It's okay to say that. Yeah, I, um, if my gift is talking, I will take that. I will take the vulnerable stance and I am happy to share my vulnerability and my story um, if, mm. if it helps um, other mamas. I, I have no fear of crying. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um, I think that your voice is helping. So thank you. Thank uh, you. and, and that means that we can, um, kind of bring our podcast to a close and I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with our listeners. Um, I just, I just hope that anyone who's listening is, is able to either find the support or find the, the support of themselves um, that they need to to figure out or find the person that can help them figure out what is what do they need. Um, it, everyone has has something different, 
Um, and maybe it's baby steps. Um, maybe mm. it's just going for a walk or maybe it's all the way up to therapy. Um, there's, there's so many free resources. I mean, I know that they're kind of few and far between and scattered and, and maybe aren't the same care that you could get if you had someone long-term, but it's still mm-hmm. a step and it's there. And uh, I don't know, maybe now I have to make these sheets of like, <laughs> just keep asking these questions. Um, yes, you do. Just, yes, you just, do. <laughs> keep me, keep me for all these people who don't know me, but keep me in your head when you're at your doctor's office and just say, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I cannot leave this room until I understand. Um, because you're giving me a pill or a path or Mm. a, um, Mm -hmm. whatever. And I need to know what that actually means for me and what that means long-term for me. Mm. Um, so I just want to send all the strength in the world to everyone who listens to this men and women. Hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I don't understand. Thank you so much, Danielle. Do you have uh, like an Instagram or a Facebook like that people could follow you? Yeah. So um, actually, I'm just jumping into the world of podcasting as well. Um, and so my friend and I have started a podca- podcast called This is Adulting. Um, and so we are actually recording our first podcast tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so we're eventually going to have to have you on as a guest as well. I but, love that. Yeah. So, so that is where people can find me I think on Instagram it's like this dot is dot adulting because you know Instagram doesn't have anything without dots anymore Mm. Um, but if you just type it in you'll find us wonderful this is adulting that's your podcast okay great so I'm just going to wrap up and thank the listeners and thank Danielle for spending this time with us today and again for those of you who are just tuning in this is Jennifer Sommerfeld from Healing After Birth podcast and the creator and author of the guidebook in program Healing After Birth Navigating Your Emotions After a Difficult Childbirth you can purchase that book on Amazon or you can go to my website at at www.jennifersummerfeld.com. There's also a free four-part video series, What Your Doctor is Likely Not Telling You About Postpartum Depression and Anxiety. Um, And we were talking about resources today. And so when you do sign up for those series, there is um, two free resources, one local